back, everybody, to the X's and T podcast. It's your host, Danny, here. And yes, we're back at it again with another episode. And we're back at it again with more anti-MLM content. We love it. Just a quick disclaimer, as always. We are talking about lines of affiliation. Amway is just a distribution company. They have products that they sell. We have these toxic lines of affiliation that are out here creating cult-like environments that are not okay. But with that being said, we're speaking on personal experiences here. We're not here to slander anybody. If you know who we're talking about, don't go send them hate. All you can do is spread a good message and say, you know what? Either you want to join. Great. But if you listen to this podcast and you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't want that life good for you. So with that being said, I have my fantastic guest back with us today. She is a fantastic person on social media. She's going to tell you exactly what she does. Okay. So we have Meredith. Hi, Meredith. Welcome back. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I was just thinking this is, you know, we we had so much to talk about. We had to do a whole part two. And how do you wrap up seven years? Really? No, more than seven years because I was in for seven years. And then I, it was a good like two to three years of recovery afterwards. And, you know, starting my, my, starting my business, Cactus Girl Media and all of that. I'm just like, how do you pack 10 years into two hours? It's hard to, <laughs> and you're so right. It's, I guess one thing that you said that I, I don't know that I've really considered is the aftermath. Yeah. How do you recover from that cult-like environment? Like you're wrapped up in it for you seven years inside of this yeah. cult-like place. And for some people it's, it's longer, for some people it's shorter, but there is still that co mechanism that that you have to develop afterwards yeah. like how are you going to be okay after MLS yeah. yeah well that is a that is a big one I kept a journal I journaled a lot I was so like analytical of my feelings and because I went from MLM to basically turned around and started Cactus Girl Media and I was so you know I felt like I had a lot of catching up to do because seven years I had been you know working a low-level job which okay great you know like it paid the bills and then everything all of my education everything that I did like for myself outside of that was Amway. So it's like, I feel like seven years went by where I was not getting educated. I was not part of the proper, you know, workforce. I didn't have a career. I had, you know, it like my my career had stagnated for seven years. And I felt like, you know, I have a lot of catching up to do. And so I was going, taking all of the classes that I could. I mean, I got a whole like, I got a whole degree in social media marketing at NYU during that time. And I did it in like, a year and a half. Like I was like, I've got to get this done. Like I've got to learn stuff. Like I've got to learn real <laughs> right. fucking skills. <laughs> and they got to expedite it too. Yeah. And at the beginning, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I mean, I still put pressure on myself, but back then it was like insane amounts of pressure to the point where I would be feeling anxiety like all the time. And I remember talking to the girl who kind of got me out of Amway and I was like, I just feel like I'm not not working right now. Like I was sitting, I was sitting at work. I remember sitting at work one day and um, it was during COVID. So we had to, I had to sit at a table and hand out COVID um, test kits. And I had to, and I had to sit there and do that because we had to like keep track of how many people we gave them out and who we gave them out to and stuff like that. But there it was, so it was like four. And so I had to go there like every afternoon, like three times a week just to sit there and, and 
hand out these test kits and there was nothing else to do. It was like in this little room, like the size of a closet. And I was just like, I would always bring my laptop and I would do my homework or I would, you know, look at, uh, or I would work on my business or I would do social media stuff like while I was there. I mean, it was great time. But one day I remember just being so tired and I was like, all I want to do while I'm here is watch Netflix. But I'm like, I spent seven years in a cold. I have so much catching up to do. How can I watch Netflix in the middle of the afternoon on a Tuesday? Like this is not acceptable. And I texted my friend, Michelle, who was the one that got me out of the business. And she said, she said, I really think that's BWW talking right now. If you're tired, you can take an afternoon and watch Netflix. That is so true. I love that she said that. Yeah. Because I've talked to so many people who, again, they still have that same toxic hustle culture mentality where I can't sit still. Yeah. I can't. And I love that you also compared to like, no, I spent seven years in a cult. I have to do this, which is great. But I love that somebody was like, no, take a step back. It's okay to relax because for seven years, you're told you can't. You can't take a nap. You have to be rising and grinding every day. Exactly. And just so funny that we're talking so negatively about it because (laughs) where we left off was your honeymoon phase. I know. I know the honeymoon phase. I, you know, I I had a good honeymoon phase. Truly, if, if I had like a genie in a bottle kind of experience that said, you know, you can go back and relive like, you know, three days of your life or whatever. One of the days that I would choose would be from, you know, my first, either my first or second function where we just had so much fun. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I was just like, honestly, I really thought like, where has this been all my life? It was, I did speech and debate in high school and we would go on road trips to other schools for tournaments. And it was like leave school on a Friday or like leave school Friday morning, come back and we would come back on like late Saturday night or Sunday morning. And they were just piling us into hotel rooms. And we just had all this time to like walk around and talk to each other and have these deep conversations and stuff. And it was so very much like function. And I really, really cherished that. And so the first one that I went to was in Richmond, Virginia, and it was an eight hour drive from New York down to Richmond. And we had this like 20, probably not 20, but like, like 14, 15 seat van. And it was very janky. It looked like, you know, a van that you would uh, steer your kids away from if you saw it in the Target parking lot. You're on a budget. Yeah. Yeah. Those vans, man. We had a great time just cutting up, talk like it was, it it was honestly, it, it was the best. And the first function that I went to, it just so happened that I was in the process of buying my apartment um, where I live now in New York. And my my mom and I bought it together. They were going to approve us and we had to come here and like you have to meet with a co-op board and everything. So she was in town for the co-op board meeting and it just coincided with the with the function. She left like her flight out was the morning that I left to go on the function. I had to, after years of saying no to functions, like years, like I would always kind of accidentally on purpose schedule something that I couldn't get out of like travel or something with my family or whatever on the weekends that functions because I was like, this sounds like a fucking pep rally. I don't want to go. I don't have anything to do with this. Um, but at that time, it was kind of like the the people that I would have stayed with if, you know, not having a place to live in New York would have been my uplines. But since they were at the function, I couldn't, you know, there was like no way to get out of it. So I had to go. And I, if I wanted to have a place to sleep, I had to go. And it was, wow. yeah, it was just, it, but it was a blast. Like I met people on the team that 
that didn't live in New- that lived outside of New York and you know had those relationships or started those relationships and started having deep conversations about your hopes and dreams and what you want and it was you know the 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 motivation was definitely there and I'd never been in an environment yes. like that before and it felt really good and I just I came back from that that was in the spring and I came back from that just like oh my god I cannot freaking wait until the summer function which was always in Syracuse New York and if if you ever get it, it is a beautiful drive between here and between New York City and, and upstate. You go through the Poconos. And so it always felt like oh, relaxing, you know, like we're going to this, you know, we're, we're going to this thing, but this is like fun. That night, I think on the Saturday night of the function, <laughs> we were piled, I believe in that hotel, we had seven people in, uh, in my room, in the girls room and like eight people in the guys room. And and we all went into the guys room and we had this giant, we had this massive pillow fight and it was so much fun. It was really, I mean, I, I do really cherish those memories. Um, Does sound really yeah. positive and fun. And and we were talking about this before we started recording that also my first function too, so yes. fun. Like my upline was so cool back then. Like we we had all of my OG upline there. Two of my upline had quit. One, I think married Crossline recently. So shout out to you if you're listening. Like that's weird, bro. Just saying. <laughs> But my upline were all like super, super cool. They're all my age. And it's like, it was fantastic. The the drive, the everything, it's so nice. Yeah. And what sucks is that it doesn't stay consistent like that. Like you have these really positive and you're like, this is going to be the rest of my life. That's it. This function right here. This is how I'm going to feel every, every function. function. Yeah, no, it wore off. I think by, I, I remember functions, my first and second functions so vividly. I remember, you know, everything that happened. And the, the first one, another really funny thing I had to, I was sleeping in a bed with two other girls it's like whatever you know this is this is fine I was used to stuff like that and I grew up I have a lot of cousins I grew up you know like I, I grew up being packed into rooms with a ton of people it was totally fine it's fun it's a slumber party I grew up in the days when you could still have slumber parties I don't think kids do slumber parties now they really don't yeah, I know my yeah. kids don't anyway no we had tons of slumber parties growing up it was so much fun so now I'm like here I am in my late 20s and I'm like I get to go to a slumber party this is so fun because you know function is very like fast paced there's a lot going on there's you know I always had a really hard time and you don't get very much time to sleep but you know you do need to sleep and I would always have a really hard time going like all day all of these thoughts all these ideas I always had a really hard time turning my brain off so that I could get to sleep so I took a muscle relaxer (laughs) so that I could fall asleep that night and apparently it really it really like messed with my sleep and I guess I had some weird dreams. I woke up. Actually, no, I did. I'm sorry. I did not wake up. But in my sleep, I yelled out, tomorrow's Sunday. And I put my hand up really high. I was like, it's been great. This is so good. And tomorrow's Sunday. We're going to have a great time. And every girl in the room woke up except for me. And I was just like blissfully went back to sleep. And that so that was like the joke for, for the whole weekend. But those two I remember so vividly. The third one, I don't really remember. I don't think I have any. I don't yeah. think I have any memories of it. I really don't. Yeah. Did you guys have four per year? How we many, four how many per, did you guys yeah, have? Yeah, we had four each year. Okay. So like one a quarter. Yeah. Every, yeah, every quarter it was, you know, 
know, always something. And there were so many other things between that. They had um, BBS, a business building seminar, which was like a small, it was like a four hour version of the function on a Saturday night. And there were four of those per year too. So I yeah. mean, literally, and, the, and the, they would make up shit in between for that too. You know, the, the, the beginning time when everything was so idyllic, like you said, it, it doesn't last. And part of why it was so much fun is because our upline lived in so here we are this this team this ragtag group of of entrepreneurs or so we thought in New York City our up our platinum upline was in Arizona and so he would come to New York as regularly as he could but by and large we were completely just on our own we didn't know the rules about how you had to wear your hair that women have to wear dresses those things were just not communicated to us and even if it sounds so fun right and even <laughs> if they had been communicated like there was really no no one who could enforce that you know then Jim this our our upline from uh, in Arizona him Jim and Summer um, was as the couple you know like I said they came out as often as they could and one thing that always seemed strange whenever Jim would come to visit is that he would stay with my direct sponsor uplines um, Daniel and Mark and he whenever I would the the weeks that he was here visiting whenever I would see Daniel and Mark they always looked just really tired like red eyes kind of pale face just like like are you sick like what's going on are you okay they would always say yeah you know just Jim whenever he comes here he he likes to stay up late he likes to talk we we want to get as much of him as we can he he wants to be on the go he wants to be showing plans all the time and you know so we're just tired we are just you know running ourselves ragged all over New York City and I would always be like well that's great so excited blah 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 like here's what I've got going on and you know and it was just like oh okay okay that's that's cool and it was alleged to me that what actually was happening is that Jim had possibly had a drinking problem and uh, I think we talked last time about how alcohol was like not part of the BWW culture at all yes um and it was told to me by someone that a, a friend of mine, you know, told me that she, she was kind of part of this, this, this group. And she was, I guess, someone on some of these outings with Jim. And he said that he would just get everyone drunk. Yeah. So potentially, you know, all those times that I saw them looking all, you know, like <laughs> tired and pale faced yeah. and stuff, possibly they were hungover. Who knows? Um, wow. Yeah. So I think things started to get pretty weird with with him. And I, I got to a point where he and I never really got on. And I got to a point where I was just like, you know what? You don't live here. You come here, you know, like four times a year. I'm just going to be busy when you're when when he's in town. So I removed myself from that situation because I didn't really like the way that he treated people um he had a very like yeah. brusque kind of and I was just like you know what I don't I realized what would happen is that when he would come to town he really he really liked to beat up on people like emotionally he told me that he told me one time that I was a spoiled brat 
and that I didn't like. Seriously? Yeah, he told me that I was a, you know, I was born into a family with generational wealth and um, my father had a very good career. He's retired. He's not dead. He's retired, you know, which I'm very thankful for. And it allowed me a lot of privileges. And he said that I was a spoiled brat that had never like had to work on my own. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I've had a job since I was 22, like since I graduated from college and was 22 and went to work and I've been working ever since, you know, except for like a few like, you know, times I got laid off or, you know, whatever, like maybe, you know, like we've all been out of work for a few months, but by and large, I was always working and always supporting myself. I always had a job. Yeah, it's so poetic of him to say that too because these are these are upline in worldwide or I'm sorry, BWW or Amway. Where have you ever seen somebody in worldwide or, B- or BWW or Amway lines of affiliation? When are they not talking about what they have? Right. When are they not talking about the lifestyle that they have? I mean, sure, they like to pretend that they rised and grinded for it every day, which is bullshit. You would think that they would have a lot more respect for these people who have created generational wealth and been like, oh my gosh, that is fantastic. Yeah. Like you see why this is so important but this jackass which by the way we've changed his name this is not his real name quick disclaimer yeah. but th- he had the audacity to say that to you and he- for somebody who is a leader <laughs> in this organization does say that shit i'm so angry for you at that i know time. i know and the way i saw it was like i'm out here trying to create for myself the lifestyle that i had growing up You know, I like that's why I'm here. Like I'm here because I see this as an opportunity to create massive wealth. And let's do that. Because you look at like people like the big crown guy of worldwide, his kids. What what were they? All these people that I'm sure this guy probably looked up to him Mm -hmm. or Bill Britt himself, who is the founder of Britt Worldwide, BWW. That's why we say his name. Um, But it's like, what do you think these kids grew up in? And what are you saying that the founders didn't teach their kids how to have a work ethic? Exactly. Like just because you grow up with generational wealth doesn't mean that you don't have a good work ethic. We're not all, you know, (laughs) silver spoon fed with, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and it wasn't even like, you know, (laughs) and generational wealth, like, like, I think people hear that term, like, it it is a term that is like thrown around a lot. And, and, you know, people think like, okay, like succession, like I'm watching succession right now. (laughs) Like my generational wealth was like, we got to take cool vacations. And yeah. yeah, and like, and when we went on vacation, me and my sister were able to have our own hotel room separate from our parents. That was like a big fucking deal. And it made the vacation, you know, so yes. much better. You know, this wasn't like a, you know, Logan Roy private planes. <laughs> right, right. Your family had, your, your family had what, what they needed and then some yeah. and, and they worked hard for it. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that took me back. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so if that wasn't enough of a red flag for this guy to get all sketchy, have an alleged drinking problem and call you a spoiled brat. Right. Yeah. So I, Lord knows what was, you know, going on the, behind the scenes between 
him and, you know, my direct sponsor uplines, Daniel and Mark, you know, we already think possibly that they were having to <laughs> keep up with him drinking and, and which if you are ever trying to keep up with someone who drinks heavily, it, it's, and you don't drink heavily, it is not, a, it's, it's, it's not going to end well for you. So, right. yeah. So we already know that, you know, potentially that was what was going on. And apparently something happened. I don't know. To to this day, I, I was never able to get the story from of exactly what it was. And my upline always said, please don't ask me about this. But this is the situation now. And this is what's happening. And that was he said that for years, like, you know, please, please don't ask me for any more information. Like I'm asking you as a friend, like, please don't ask me for more information. And I respected that. I tried to like, you know, here and there to kind of like ask other people if they knew or something. But I, I never was able to understand what it was. But something happened with um, with Jim that resulted in uh, my my direct sponsor upline calling. Uh, so we were in we were in New York. There's tons of diamonds in New York, tons of, you know, a, a huge network to be able to plug into. They just weren't our team. And so for years, we'd been going to these meetings. We knew these people personally. We knew them. You know, we're on like a first name basis with these people. We have their phone numbers. We, you know. We've been to their houses for barbecues or whatever. So, but they weren't, but there was always this level of like boundaries or distance or whatever, because they weren't, you know, as, as great as they were, they were not our, they, they were not part of our line of sponsorship or we were not part of their line of sponsorship, whatever. So something happened and Daniel had to call one of the diamond uplines that we uh, that we knew pretty well and had been kind of plugging into for a while. And he'd always said, hey, you know, my door is always open if you guys ever need anything. And when people say that, it's kind of hard to like actually like take them up on it. Like I know you've told me like oh, a yeah. thousand times. <laughs> so it was I, I understand it was a very hard thing to do. And um, he he sent him a BMP, which was our version of communicate at like two o'clock okay, in the morning yeah. and said, you know, um, Spencer, I really need to to ask you some questions if you don't mind I you know I, I don't want to overstep my boundaries but there's something going on that that I really don't know if is like kosher or not in you know as far as BWW is concerned so Spencer called him at two o'clock in the morning and he they talked about whatever it was and uh Spencer said nope that is absolutely not okay sit tight let me make some phone calls and so at two o'clock in the morning, he then calls his upline, uh, another diamond in BWW, and I guess they talk about it. And Spencer called Daniel back and said, "Oh, congratulations! You are now on my team." <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. And they, I could see why you'd be so curious as to what I, happened because something, something bad must big, happen. Something big to and and especially in knowing Daniel too. You know, he's he was always so respectful of these people and like understandable about their and an understanding of their their boundaries and the fact that like you know it, that we are guests in this environment because we are not on this team our businesses are not financially tied to them in any way whatsoever but yeah so I to be honest I'm not certain that Jim is even part of BWW anymore I, I'm pretty sure that he's that they still build the business as it is but 
I, I don't know if they're part of BWW anymore. And it was, and then eventually uh, people re-registered their, or like registered under a different name um, and took their downlines with them to where we were actually on um, Spencer and, and Grace's, t- Grace was his, Spencer's wife, um, their, their team. So yeah. Um, yeah, that was the whole, that was, that was, early 2017 um spring of 2017 i want to say and it was quite interesting a lot was you know it was a lot it was you know and at first there was kind of a honeymoon phase to that too because it's like okay now we're like we're we're really a part of this group like like now we really can like get to know these people and they had a big team at that time and so it was like oh there's all these new people all these new faces like you know i've always wanted to like i've always been curious about you there were so many people where i would walk up and talk to them and be like hey like you know i've always been curious about you i always thought you were cool you know like what 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 are you about like like now I get to know you and that people would say the same thing to me like oh my gosh same like I really you know I've always liked your style or the way that you dress or something and like I always thought you were really cool yeah. like now I'm so happy like we can be friends and we can talk so and that was fun at first but it changed things changed basically um and so I think this time we are at this point, I think at this point, we are kind of towards the end of 2017. Yeah, one thing that Spencer and Grace really, you know, drank the Kool-Aid on, as you would say, is yeah. um, the way that we were supposed to dress, the way that we were supposed to act, the way that we were supposed to do our hair, the way that we, you know, our makeup, like, whatever. Girls had to wear makeup. Girls had to wear dresses or skirts. You had to dress this way you had to do that and you know I always I mean I love clothes and fashion and stuff and so if I get to you know go to something and look nice like I'm gonna be happily doing that you know so I never had yeah yeah yeah. I never had any problem um I never felt like I had like there was any problem with the way that I dressed but I did I and sometimes I did wear dresses I like dresses sometimes it's easy to like throw on a dress but I also had a lot of jumpsuits and I was like so you're telling me that I can't wear my jumpsuits anymore? Fuck that. I'm going to keep, I pay good money for these jumpsuits. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to keep wearing them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And so now we're hearing all the stuff about like, you need to straighten your hair, which for me, that's fine. If I am going somewhere professionally, like, you know, and I want to look my best, I do blow dry my hair. I am a white woman. That is normal. Um, however, the majority of the people on uh, Spencer and Grace's team, including themselves, are not white. <laughs> and that got interesting. Um, yeah, that's a problem. It was a problem. Like, so in Worldwide, we had something very similar. We had what's called a nuts and bolts meeting. That's literally step by step. I shit you not. For hours, they would teach us all the things that we can and can't do. Yeah. They would teach us how to dress. Yeah. They would bring, they would show pictures. They would be like, <sighs> you dress like this, X, Y, and Z. This is how you match a belt to your shoes and shit. I'm not kidding. And it's like the fact that we were so pressured because not only are you talking about other cultures of people not allowed to wear their hair naturally, like First of all, fuck that. Like, Secondly, and, and, and let me second just point all, out that um, I, I believe a few years ago, New York City, if not the entire state, passed a anti-discriminatory law about hairstyles and that yes. you cannot be discriminated against. You can, in, a, in a place of work, you cannot say anything about anyone's hairstyle to just promote inclusivity and in that, you know, people should be able to wear their hair 
the way that it grows naturally out of their head. And that should not be yeah. a oh, problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because they don't they don't stop to think not just of how people there are as a natural person, but two, they don't think about somebody's budget. You think these people around you who are spending all their money on these products can go afford to go get their hair done? Yeah. And like the regular, in the process to like put your hair through all that too. Like for, to yeah. be like the professional, to be straightened professionally and blown out and stuff. And then it's like, if it rains, you're screwed. And it's New York. It rains all the fucking time. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, that's like 50 bucks down the drain. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just ridiculous. And there were some girls that really like pushed the, the envelope on the, or pushed the boundaries on the, the natural hair thing. Um, Good for them. But it was always very like, you know, no one was going around with like an app. No one, no one felt like they could or I don't know if they wanted, maybe they didn't even want to, whatever, like go around with an afro or anything like that. Um, There was also a lot of rules against facial hair for men. Yeah, you had to this one, this, this guy, he was young, he was so cute. Oh, my God, so attractive. Um, He had he came in and he had locks and they made him cut him off. Yep, that I was just thinking that word for word in my head, like my upline, um, Craig, when he had started, he had locks. Yeah. And they praised him for wanting to cut them, which is so shitty. Because what on earth? Like, why do they say that? They say, okay, here's what worldwide would tell us. They would say, well, well, statistically speaking, how many? Okay, so uh, men don't trust men with beards, so you can't have a beard. If your upline doesn't have a beard, you don't yeah. have a beard. And what self-made millionaire has locks out there? It's like I can think of a Probably lot of successful a lot of people them. who have locks. Yeah. Like, are you freaking kidding yeah. me? And, and it's just, you think about that and you're like, they praised him yeah. and he would even like talk about it. But Oof. that being said, like we had um, one of my guys, we, we were just talking about him with his crazy girlfriend, but he was really nice. He had this beard, dude, long beard. And that was his personality. That's who yeah. he was. It's so yeah. sad that people literally have to give up their entire identities because these people, and it's not like, okay, hear me out. They're not holding us at gunpoint. They're not saying you have to do this. But when you're under that level of manipulation and you don't want to be criticized, like you heavily idolize these people, you're going to listen. Yeah. And and you might not want to, but you do it because you want to fit yeah. in. Yeah. It's that group think stuff. And it's that, and you don't want, you know, if, if you don't want people to think badly of you either, you don't want to be, no one wants to be yeah. like, you know, no one wants to take the last slice of pizza at the pizza party or the first slice. <laughs> You know, no one wants to stand out. No one wants to to be that person that's like, you know, uh, fuck this. Especially if you're talking about a group of people that um, have already in the regular world been systemically. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Treated like shit. So, you know, there's there's like making it worse. Exactly. Exactly. So there's there's a lot there. And yeah, the other thing that they really pushed was relationships oh man the relationships and now I realize I realize now you know how in the handmaid's tale they could only go to the market they were allowed to go to the market but they could only go to the market with another handmaid and that would you know that was like that policing of what they could say 
to that person. You didn't know. You could just you yes. just had to talk about the weather. You didn't know if you could say like fuck this shit or if the person was going to report you. You didn't know how involved yes. they were. And I truly think that it was that that was kind of the sinister reality behind the reason why they pushed so much marriage and and not just marriage, but a very particular heteronormative toxic I call it toxic heteronormativity type of marriage where like this is you know the man provides the man is uh, the one building the business the woman is creating an environment where he can go and, and do has his important business meetings showing yes. plans and hotel lobbies and shit give me a fucking break but you're not that was such a perfect explanation <laughs> because as we mentioned in the episode about love and respect that's the type of bullshit that they are pushing so you yeah. said it perfectly yeah yeah these these couples were it was they even I learned later on that potentially allegedly they were setting people up I yes I have totally seen that. That's why I yeah. said that cross or that that upline that I had, he married a cross line. Why did that happen? Dude, you are weird for that. Mm-hmm. Just for the record, you guy, you know who it, you know who you are, my guy. You know. Yeah. There was this guy on the team that I was in love with. Oh my God. He was so cute, so sweet, so fun. Just, you know, it really makes me sad talking about it now because I, I, I truly, I, I say those things and I truly mean them. He was a really good person and he, you know, had just been sucked into this. And I, I don't know if he ever really found his way out. He was a flirt. He was such a flirt and I'm sure he liked me, but. He was also dating somebody <laughs> and it was a secret relationship. Oh, no. It was somebody in the group. Ugh. Yeah. And I speculated so much about this guy, but I just had so many, you know, just like feelings of like, I, this is the person I am meant to be with. Like, this is the person I am meant to build business with. And we're going to have a beautiful wedding and our uplines are going to be there and blah, blah, blah. Like, I really just like, <laughs> this was like my little like... <laughs> Amway fucking fairy yeah. tale fantasy. But they plant that in your head. I like chose the songs we were gonna play at our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and this it. guy and I'm sure you know and I'm I consider myself attractive and 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 fun and I have a I have a great personality too I'm a fun I'm a cool person to be around and I'm pretty so I'm sure he did not mind me hanging on his every word and giving him extra snacks and excesses and you know like bottles of water and stuff that I brought with me to conference and shit like that you know I'm sure he didn't mind that at all um I'm sure his girlfriend minded it though right <laughs> who was right. The, it, but right, it was a secret yeah who was right there yeah and that I it I once I learned who and then all of a sudden one day I had a theory that uh, he would occasionally talk about his girlfriend and I had a theory that it was probably someone like outside of the business that like he kind of knew like maybe this isn't the best person for me to be dating if I want to fit in with this group and build this business and go diamond and beyond and see the beaches of the world and that he was maybe like that was a point of contention and so that was my theory. That girl was right under our noses the entire time because one day, one morning I wake up and I'm scrolling on Facebook as you do and they're announcing their engagement and a few months later you start seeing that little bump 
yes, that happened to us too. My my upline, the Syrian guy, if you know who he is, you know, the pompous asshole. Anyway, he has a platinum. People know this story. I didn't know they were dating. I don't know if anybody in their line of affiliation knew that they were dating. They were cross-lined. We're not even supposed to ask or know. One day, I swear, it's the same thing. They announced they were engaged. They got married. And then she was yep. pregnant. Like, she was yep. pregnant, pregnant yep. too. And I was also pregnant. Yeah. The difference is I wasn't allowed to talk about how I got pregnant yeah. or my pregnancy story or anything yeah. like that. But it happened just like so that. So the funny thing here is that this girl not only could they not talk about their relationship to um you know within the group of of Amway but my my best friend when I worked at NYU went to college with this girl yeah and on Facebook it was very randomly no one in their friend group had they lived in the dorm together. No one in their friend group had any idea that she was with someone or whatever. They all thought she was single. And then all of a sudden she's engaged. So not only are you encouraged to keep those relationships secret from the people in your, your, your cult, but also like people in your regular life, you know, like what are you doing for fun? Like, are you just going places by yourselves and like not hanging out with anybody else? Probably because that's what they fucking want because of the whole handmaid's tale thing. You, they want you coupled up so that you always feel that, you know, pressure of shit. I really don't like this business. I don't know why I'm here. I don't like these people. I don't want to be here, but ugh, you know, my, my husband is here and I really love him. So, and he really wants to do this. So I guess I'm going to do this for him. And he's thinking the same thing, but nobody can talk right. about it. And that's exactly why, nope. because that type of, they are bringing that literal like policing into, maybe not literal police, but the, the, that mental policing into your yeah. home, into your bedroom, into your family. It's everywhere. It is now seeped in every right. area of your life. And if you have kids, you ain't never getting out of it. You are never yeah, getting Yeah, especially if that. you have the kids while you're in the yeah. business. They have, like, and that's one thing that I'm, I'm so thankful that babies. I did. I got out. They are. <laughs> and is that I'm bad like, for me to okay, say? So, no, not at all. Because what's funny is, is I think that that's why they got worried about me getting pregnant from somebody outside of the business <laughs> that they were trying to encourage me to stay with, by the way. I think you and I had that conversation off topic, which I yeah. talked about in my earlier episodes, where my DV relationship and, and how, like, how that really all kind of correlated together. Yeah. And my upline was in the room when I had had my baby right you think like okay I'm having this baby they're there with me that everybody's celebrating this and not three months later literally maybe a few more maybe that's an exaggeration but months later I'm I'm not in the business anymore I stopped buying products I stopped going to these meetings I started listening to the things that my father right. was telling me like stop going and You're it didn't cult. take long oh, for them to not associate <laughs> yeah oh seriously yeah and that's so sad. I think that not only do they anchor them to Amway, but they also have spend more money as a couple too. Oh, yeah. And it really yeah. does well, then benefit them financially. Two, this is all a Yeah, and then you have, you know, potentially two incomes coming in so that you can, you know, and the whole thing, one one thing, one, the first of your podcasts that I listened to when, when you and I first got connected, it really took me back because I don't remember who your guest was that time, but it was a lot of talk about the singles and the couples and stuff. And I just, I was in my kitchen doing dishes while 
I was listening to that. And I really just had to like <laughs> stop and step back and take a break because whew, the anxiety that that brought back hearing everyone was divided into you are a single or a couple. I'm building this yeah. business as a single. I'm, you know, we built this as a couple. Why does that matter? Why? And you really, these are the things yeah. like you really have to start asking yourself. And you know, it was, it, it what was really hard for me is that I, I wanted that. I wanted that. I wanted to yeah. be building the business as a couple. I wanted it. And I was dating someone when I, like around the time when I, when I went to my first function, I had just started a relationship with somebody. And I mean, he was just a fucking piece of work. Like he made Amway look like Oz. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. hear that. We've all got a Kyle, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was just a ridiculous waste of skin human who was also very like emotionally abusive and very narcissistic. And he didn't like the business. He didn't like me doing the business because, I mean, he didn't really think that I could be good at anything. So he didn't like that. And just, you know, uh, you know, a lot of reasons. It's, it's not even important. Yeah. But he and I were together for almost two years and we broke up shortly before the shift was made from from uh, being part of Jim's the the alleged alcoholic team to to Spencer and and Grace's team and where you know now we are truly in a cult and we are being told right. you know, dresses and and hairstyles and stuff like that and that was when I really so I was still healing from that relationship and I looked at all of these other beautiful beautiful couples, the beautiful Amway couples. And I thought, I want that. I really want that. And I I got into a really deep depression because I really felt like, you know how they, um, when you are showing the plan to somebody, the person doesn't get into business or whatever, it's never, God forbid, it could be something to do with them. It's always your yeah. fault. It's always what you could have done better. Everything revolves around you and what you do, which is like, yeah. I mean, first of all, how narcissistic that, but secondly, that mentality bled over into my dating life. So to the point where like if I messaged a guy on, you know, OkCupid or whatever, and he didn't write back, I would take it personally. I would be like, okay, well, what did I say? What did it, what, what, what was this? Let's analyze this from like 12,000 different, well, like let's make PowerPoint presentations about why this stranger that I don't even know did not respond to my, was so turned off by my message, God forbid, you know, like, is it conceivably possible that maybe he did see it and he was like, oh, oh, funny message and was tired and couldn't reply then and then got up the next day and went to work and went on with his life and forgot that OkCupid even existed on his phone for like three months, which is what I do now all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that this whole organization makes you view yourself as a person and it's like, it's all of those things that come together that really are what we want to talk about. Like, it's all of those things that are so important. And all of those things being said, you've seen, you, you were seeing a lot of turnover. Yeah. You guys were changing teams. Jim got sketchy. <laughs> and like all of this, <laughs> right. And you had a toxic relationship. Then there's this guy who's flirting and, and is in, it's just a disaster. Yeah. So what was it that, you know what, you're like, I'm done. 
Like, how did that kind of start to look for you? So I had gone to, so in, in beginning of 2018, I was so depressed because I really felt like my singleness was my, something that I had to overcome. Um, I remember listening to like BWW tapes and, and, uh, or, or talks where they would talk about like that thing you need to overcome. And I was like, oh my God, for me, it's being single. It's my singleness. That's what I have to overcome. And you know, that's not healthy. So I started going to a therapist and she was, she's amazing. She is, she, she's really, really great. She does truly amazing work and, you know, she helped me be okay with being single. I'm single now. I'm 38. I am not looking to change (laughs) on my own. Most of the time, I I don't know. I see these couples and I'm just like, you mean that you have to like check with someone else before you like go away for the weekend? Wow. That sucks. That's gross. That's gross. Like you can't just do whatever you want when you want at any time. (laughs) Not for me. Yeah. No, good for you though. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's, 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 where I'm at now, you know, maybe it'll change, who knows. But, you know, I think that especially the past few years, I've been so involved with Cactus Girl Media and getting that off the ground. I really, you know, truly, I, I don't have room in my life for, for anything else right now. And I'm yeah. sure that'll change at some point, but whatever. So, you know, it was my therapist, Michelle, that really helped me learn to love myself and learn to accept myself as a single woman. And I really fell in love with that part of myself. And I really wanted to, and she helped me see a lot of the misogyny that I was exposed to, that I was involved with on on a dated, unknowingly, that... Yes. That on you know on a day to day basis and 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 I feel like this story sums it up the best the way that women were treated in BWW is um one time we were at a conference and this guy this uh major major uh diamond upline leader was saying put uh he was talking about he was trying to make a point about women in network marketing which women do women are leading in network marketing unfortunately and that is not a feminist you know women are are the number one preyed upon people in network marketing yes. um, you know but they of course wanted to look at it as like women are these trailblazers and blah 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 blah. so his whole speech was to like recognize and encourage and uplift the 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 women you know ibos in the room and then he said he ends this by saying so stand up for your wives or girlfriends. And it was one, honestly, it was one of the worst moments of my life that I looked around and I, I'm like, I've been doing this on my own for, I mean, I was probably like five years in by that point. And um, I didn't have anyone to stand up for me. And it really, yeah. really felt like crap. I really felt shitty. And um, it was just, that was, after that, I I wanted to, I wanted to make change in the organization from the inside. And I knew that the only way that I could do that was to go platinum, was to build the business, was to do it. But at the same time, I realized, you know, I don't know if, I also don't really know if I want to be like these people. I don't know if I want to, 
have to change my personality so much that, to you know, to fit in until, you know, to, to fake it till I make it. Like, I just, you know, I really don't know if I want to do that. And I had really started around that time. And, and over the next year after that happened, uh, I really started like pushing the boundaries in terms of like what I could and couldn't do. Like uh, I would go to meetings wearing like, like I had, so in my office at NYU, we had, it was a residential building that I worked in and the first two floors were offices. So we had, um, so students lived in the building and we had a sun deck and we had a rooftop patio and I would pretty much every day in the summer, I would make some guacamole and I would go up to the roof and I would write in my journal because I was very much on my like mental health healing journey and so I would journal and I would have a glass of wine and then I would go to and then if you know on every Monday night I would do that and then I would go to the meeting so at first I was you know in the beginning it was like oh I can't drink alcohol if I'm going to like go to this meeting so but after that yeah. you know wives and girlfriends thing happened I was like you know what? fuck it I'm, I'm gonna go to this meeting I'm just gonna hit up the meeting on the way home I'm gonna be 45 minutes late because I wanted to watch the sunset on my gorgeous yeah. like rooftop rooftop deck and um I was you know and then I I would go with like you know my hair is really curly and and it's very like you know like bushy frizzy and and I really you know but it looks you know it can I have like a good like windblown beach babe kind of and the time my hair was really long and I would be like you know what I'm just gonna go like this I'm not gonna do anything with my hair and I would be wearing like a sundress or something like you know like not business appropriate and I just started showing up like that I don't care. There, we had one, uh, one, and I started treating the conferences, the conventions, as like my little mini vacations. Like I would see, I would look at like where we were staying. Like, okay, so we went to Richmond, Virginia twice a year, and I would like, you know what? I wonder what else there is to do around here if I leave. If if I leave the conference, like, like, what if if I don't go to this afternoon? What if I don't go to the afternoon meetings? What if I don't go to the morning meetings? So I started skipping the morning meetings, sleeping in late in the hotel room, taking my time, getting ready and like, I'll walk there. I'll take an Uber, whatever. And I would go to like the shops and, and, you know, check out different restaurants and stuff like that and had just, you know, a great time. Richmond, Virginia is a really fun city and there's a lot of great stuff to do and a lot of great restaurants. Um, so shout out to, to Richmond and <laughs> all of the time that I got to spend there just, you know, exploring and, and living life so you know and then the the last func- the last function that I went to was our winter function in Ocean City and we had these we rented these condos by the water and I brought pot hell yeah uh, yeah and and my me and so it was super fun um we had the, we had these condos they had a full kitchen like multiple bedrooms so, so it was really like renting a house with your friends for the weekend and I was like yeah and that was the exact mindset that I went down that I went there with I'm like I am gonna rent a house with my friends for the weekend and that is how that is exactly how I'm gonna act so like me and my downline are out there sitting on the dock smoking and like getting high before like on the lunch break during the conference it was fucking fantastic and then that time I decided that I really didn't want to go to that one would always have a dinner included and these dinners were just like interminable and I thought I don't really want to go I don't want to do it we had a winter one like that too yeah dream night is what they called it 
I was like, I don't want to go to this dinner. And they were like, well, we're going to go to the dinner because it's free or not free, but we already paid for it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm just going to pick something up from like McDonald's or something like I'll eat. You know, I know we already paid for it, but I'm just going to eat cheap. And they're like, yeah, we get it. We get it. I was like, do you all want to come? They're like, no, we're going to go. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm the one renting the car. So I'm the one driving. And I'm like, so I drive to (laughs) the convention center, drop them off. And then I proceed to go on. I go to Starbucks. I go to Marshall's. I like, I just had had a a whole, I had a day. It was fantastic. And then I come in later on, I come back for the, for the, like the nighttime meetings or the nighttime, like talks and stuff. And I bring, I like bring in my big bag of Marshall stuff that I bought at Marshall. Hell yeah. I'm like showing off like, oh, see this, like, uh, see, see this uh, Sephora quality skincare. Like I just got this for like $8 and it's like $47 at Sephora. And you know, yeah, I should be buying artistry, but have you been to Marshall's? It's real fun. Have they used artistry though? (laughs) I mean, okay. Amway, I'm sorry. I don't like artistry. I'm sorry. I'll say it. I'll say it. My personal opinion. I mean, if you want to buy artistry, that's fine. I'm not telling you not to. I like artistry. artistry. I, did, I, I had, I, I liked artistry. I didn't have a beef with artistry, and and it will probably always have a special place in my heart because artistry was what got me interested in, and passionate about uh, about skincare. And question: yeah. So we are coming towards the end of our time mm-hmm. here. So I want to know when you had stopped altogether. You said it was COVID time. Yes. So yes. could you tell me kind of what that looked like, like yeah. when you when everything was during COVID, and then when you were like, all yeah. right, I'm done. So that. Done. Com- conference when we were smoking pot on the dock (laughs) that was January of 2020 and I was having and and that that and that was you know the the Marshall's trip and everything all that happened in January 2020 and I just felt like I don't really know how to I'm not into this and I don't know how to tell these people and I don't know what to do I really don't want to do this I want to live my life but I don't but I also want to build wealth and I don't know another way so what that was really what I was struggling with at that point is like, what do I do? So, you know, we all know what happened a couple of months later. And COVID really blew the lid on a lot of MLMs. Yes. Um, Because, you know, we had time. We had time to sit back and think about, you know, these organizations keep us so busy and exhausted all the time for a reason so that you don't have time to think about what it is that you're doing or what you might rather be doing or what other opportunities are out there or whatever. But then COVID happened and I'm like, I mean, my commute to work was three hours. Like on on, on, on a good day, it was two hours. On a bad day, it was three hours. So yeah, so I was always you know, here or there, like going when the meetings were in person, it was it was insane, like just the time that I was spending running from place to place. So yeah, COVID COVID kicked in, and uh, they canceled the in person meetings. And they uh, moved everything on to zoom. And I remember sitting in my living room, they wanted us to wear a business suit to sit in our oh, living gosh. rooms. And I would and and while the person while you know, whoever was like showing the plan and talking, I wasn't listening to that. I was scrolling through and looking at all of the people and looking at like what their apartments looked like and you know what they were doing what they were wearing. And I just saw all these people most of them these sad ass couples sitting in their sad ass looking apartments because they spent all of their money on Amway products and they didn't have furniture or like, you know, 
pictures on the walls or anything to make it look like a home. And I thought, I have nothing in common with these people. And I really don't want to be here. And I, and I, I need to get out of this. This is, this is done. And I, but I, but again, I didn't know how, or how am I going to tell these people that I've spent dedicated seven years of my life to, and these are really good friends and blah, blah, blah. So a couple of, of uh, months into that, I woke up and there is a woman, her name is Michelle Garabito. She is amazing. She is fantastic. She does, uh, she's a real estate investor now. And she was someone that I connected with earlier. Early on in, uh, especially during my kind of like mental health journey. And, you know, she and I really connected over wanting to change the misogyny in BWW from the inside. And so she was kind of my, she was kind of my rock at that point. And I woke up one morning and I was scrolling through Instagram, as you do, in the first 10, 20 minutes that you wake up. And I saw one of her posts and it was talking about how... She made a reel talking about how she was involved in an organization and had really bad mentorship. And now that she's out of that organization, she saved like this like astronomical amount of money and she's out of debt and like life is beautiful and whatever. And so I replied to that and I sent her, you know, the like eyeball emojis. (laughs) Like I sent her like 17 like wide eye emojis. Like what? Like we don't we we don't talk bad about our uplines. What are you doing? What are you talking about so that afternoon she and I just I went to the park and she and I were just voice noting back and forth and she was like yeah I got out I'm not I'm not part of BWW anymore I'm still gonna try to build Amway but uh, I got out and it's amazing and you should too. And she just validated everything that I had felt for years. And this, I'm telling you, seven years in this was a 20 minute conversation to get out. And that was that. So yeah. I, I, you know, turned the more I, I connected with her, she had she had taken her team out as well. The, the very next thing I did was call my downlines and got them out. And I was like, yeah, you know, how do you really feel about this? Let's have a conversation. They were like, yeah no, I've hated this for years. Like, this is miserable. I don't want to do this. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what else we can do. So yeah. And then it was shortly after that, that I started Cactus Girl Media. Um, I tr- I thought about like continuing to build, you know, Amway or do some kind of network marketing. But I was also doing a lot of my social media stuff and photography on the side. And that was really starting to take off that I was like, wow, like I have, you know, like actual clients that are coming to me asking me to do work for them. Like, I don't really have time for this other thing so let's just lean into this and see where it goes and here we are today three years later (laughs) wow I'm so happy that you have been so willing to share this story there's nothing I won't talk about I don't care I have no I have zero (laughs) boundaries like whatever it's okay I mean we're here for it but um so what what is it now that that you do and like I said at the beginning I don't know that I I have the best explanation for what you do so tell us a little bit about what you do tell us about what you've got going on currently that you've been yeah. telling me about. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just kind of tell you the, 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 you know, my journey was that, yeah, I had just gotten 
out of this cult and I was like, I really need to, you know, really need to do something else. I never, never for a second gave up on the dream of entrepreneurship or, you know, building wealth and, you know, doing something impactful. I never for a second was that not an option. Yeah. Or, yeah. So uh, I started, I've always been, I have a degree in uh, communications and I never really like did anything with it. I was very like confused in my early 20s, like career wise with like what I wanted to do. I worked in politics for a while, like right after college. And I really like that kind of left in a bad taste in my mouth. So then I was just like, really like, I have no idea what I wanted to do. Um, And then I got that job at NYU that was a very like soft, like landing place place for all of this shit that was going on in my life for those, you know, six years that I worked there. And so I decided to kind of go back to my roots. And I started sharing my Amway story on social media as a way to heal. And, you know, you're sharing stuff on social media, you need pictures, you need videos. And my coworker and I had been doing these, um, who can go the longest without repeating an outfit. (laughs) And at the time we were, I was really into like buying clothes off Poshmark and like like vintage clothing and stuff like that. And so I would, you know, put together the outfit and it started out like I would just have to like, you know, like I would have her take my picture, someone random or whatever. And so we would just like post it in our stories just for fun, like the outfit of the day. And then that eventually, you know, I was like, you know what? Why don't I have more fun with this? Why don't I buy a, why don't I buy a tripod for my phone? And it was really, it was literally a $20 Amazon tripod that changed my life because then I was Yay. able to 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 do those pictures, do those videos, do it on my own. I started like scouting out locations where I could go across the city and I really just started sharing that journey and that was what in the early days was what attracted clients to me. And the you know, when I decided to, you know, really start like going at it and created a couple of offers and started, you know, talking about them regularly like I immediately I made like a thousand dollars in the first month that I started doing that and wow yeah and and I thought okay photography is great but I kind of want you know to be able to be free like I I, I want to be able to travel and if I want to go visit my parents for a month or whatever so you know maybe like let's 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 look into copywriting and I've always been a writer like I did my high school newspaper I did my college newspaper I like always was right like I wrote novels like at my parents house there's like binders full of novels that I wrote when I was in like you know from fourth grade all the way like up until college honestly so I really tapped back into to who I was and I created copywriting offers and I just started marketing the shit out of that on the internet and eventually I was able to uh, I got a copywriting contract and I was able to leave my leave my job at NYU to become a uh, to become a, a, a full time copywriter. And that contract dried up after a while. But and then I was like and I was kind of tired because writing for somebody else, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. Um so yeah. I was like, and I was wanting to shift to more like teaching. 
So, and I love working with entrepreneurs. I just, my mind, the way that my mind works, I'm like, you give me an idea and I'm like, I'm going to monetize. I'm going to figure out a way to, for us to monetize that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You grow with people and those types of like friendships or, yeah. or even just business partnerships, whatever connections, those are some of the best yeah. ones to have. So I to- I'm totally right yeah. there with you. Yeah. So I help mission driven entrepreneurs, mission driven service providers who, you know, the type, the type of person who wants to start a business because they see a gap that needs to be filled and they're really passionate about it, but they don't know anything about marketing and sales. So I teach them how to how to write and, and talk about their offers and what they're selling in a way that their, their dream clients say, oh my God, I need this. This is exactly what I need. So it's called Learn the Language That Sells is the uh, is the name of the program. And it is, I'm actually uh, just uh, just released it like this week. <laughs> and got every, it took a while to get everything together. Uh, but now it's out. You can find me on cactusgrowmedia.com and you can find uh, all the information about Learn the Language That Sells there. Yay, which is so exciting. Oh, and real fast, just a quick exciting thing. You're speaking at a convention. Oh my gosh, yes. yes aren't you? Yes. So I am, so uh, a lot of my clients are in personal, uh, in, in personal finance somehow. And a lot of, so a lot of them are like, you know, fi- I've worked with financial advisors, money coaches, you know, whatever. And I found out about this conference last year and it's called FinCon. And it is a conference for personal finance cre- digital creators. And so all of a sudden, like, I didn't know about this, but all of a sudden I was sitting at my desk and my phone is starting to blow up with like all of these people that I follow posted like getting on the flight, going to FinCon. And I was like, what is FinCon? And I saw it and I was like, oh my God, I need to be there. And I was like, literally like, do I just like get on a plane right now? Like what's like, I really need to be there. So um, I didn't go then because that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to just go get on a plane right, somewhere right. last minute. But I was like, all right, whatever. In 2023, I'm going. And I actually applied to speak there. They'd sent out an email a couple of months ago saying that they were looking for a speaker lineup for the 2023 session. And I was like, you know what? I got some shit to say. <laughs> and I've been working with I've been working with entrepreneurs and successfully helping them grow their businesses and sell their offers. And I have and I and I do understand like this per- like people in this 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 particular niche. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna apply to speak there, and I got Yay. selected. And so here Yay. we are. And public speaking has always been in my heart. You know, that's another thing that I think that BWW gave me. I knew that I wanted to be on stage. I knew that I wanted to be talking to people and sharing stories. And uh, this is yeah. this, this is the first time I get to do that. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Meredith. I can't tell you how much, again, that I appreciate your time. I appreciate that you want to share with everybody what happened with BWW and Amway and show us that we can not just leave this we can get healthy after this and we can actually create our own journey after this and actually be successful and have still some of those principles that attracted us to these organizations but apply them in a way that that's not toxic and cult right right and so i I, if i can i just want to end by saying that the skills whatever you want to call them experiences that you had in part of these organizations are 
not it's not it's not wasted time you did learn valuable skills that with generally with just you know a few tweaks here and there you can easily take to another industry just don't put network marketing or mlm on your resume don't do that <laughs> right you're right. better off having Previous you're better off having a gap <laughs> than you are uh the say, say you right. say you had a baby and you took some time off <laughs> awesome okay so cactusgrillmedia.com yes. on instagram at cactusgrillmedia yay yep. and you guys can follow me on instagram and tiktok at x's and t underscore podcast check out the youtube channel it's slowly building but it's there we're uploading all the episodes there on the off chance that you don't want to listen on spotify or apple podcast and that is going to be linked in the show notes everything here that we've talked about will also be linked in the show notes we're going to post it on instagram and uh, it's going to be exciting so thank you again meredith and i hope everybody we're going to catch you in the next episode yes. <laughs>